Hello, welcome yeah. to Cap. <laughs> this is your host, Judy Steele. And your co-host, Elena Torres. That really threw me off. Yeah, I think that it came voice. from mine because it popped up on the screen. Oh, really? No, I said it. I mean, I, I saw a recording on mine, too. That was weird. I guess that's a new Zoom feature. Uh, okay. Anyway, welcome to Countercurrents. This is episode 110. And today's guest, what can I say about today's guest? Well, have you guys ever told a lot of people that you know someone that you think is really funny and you don't actually know them? Because I have, and I've done it for several years. And then I actually met this person. <laughs> he reminded me that we actually first met like a month ago, but I've been telling everybody that we know each other for years. So please welcome the hilarious Chris Allen. Hey, what's up? What's up, Elena? What's up? Uh, what's up, Petey? You know, How are Elena, you? good, man. Same with you, Elena. It's people like, you know, Elena Torres It's like, oh, yeah, I kind of know her, but I had never met you. I just, yeah. I just, I just know you're, uh, you're infamous. Uh, you have a very iconic profile picture. Oh, do I? Well, that was a, that was from a photo shoot in oh. my, in my telenovela days but yeah i, I mean it's actor? working yeah okay yeah well tell me i want to know about a... that i I, t I tend to take over shows and ask questions i, I was <laughs> like, gonna say so you used to be a right tv away. star or you used I well star better. star is a strong word i don't know if you knew this i used to work on i in mexico primarily i used to do mexican soap operas before oh, I, I didn't know here. that no i had no yeah I had no idea are you famous yeah. in mexico no, no you're I was recognizable like, in, in Mexico. I was. I'm not recognizable anymore. I reached like the height of my fame. I would just get recognized a lot. Kind of like someone that's on a big show, but has a small part, you know, like, oh, you were in Gossip Petey, Girl or whatever. Who would she who would she be on Sopranos? What, what, what would you say? She'd yeah, be like good... Benny Fazio or something. <laughs> you don't get your butt until season six after you get your head knocked in. Okay, but she's right. Benny. Right, <laughs> someone like that. Yeah. There you go. All right, like Benny, this is your big scene. You get to, you, yeah, you get to, you get to put uh, Artie's hand in a, in a vat of uh, tomato sauce. Here yeah. you go, Benny. Yeah, your yeah. stupid jokes. Yeah. I actually Tell did perform surgery. I did perform surgery on the biggest show I was ever on. So kind of like Sopranos esque. What show is that? It was the biggest talent of LA I did. The one that was the biggest hit was actually the first one I did, which was like the one that gave me a chance to keep working. It was called Teresa. Teresa. Teresa? It's on Netflix. Oh, yeah, I want to check it out. Yeah, and so it was Teresa. like a huge hit in Latin America. They're actually going to remake it now. But it was a big hit at the time. And so I had a really small part in that. I played a doctor. and But every at that point, that was like, it was like the first one. The first one that I did, Doctora. Mm -hmm. Doctora Magda. Doctora. Now, can I ask this? With all the gender stuff, is that affect? Because I thought about this. Is that affecting the Spanish language at all? Are people trying to get rid of the L and the Las, or it just no. is what it is? That's only no. some white people shit. That's some white people shit. Yeah, and a lot of that's and a lot cool. of Latin people talk about it being white people shit because, like, that's just the way the language is structured, and it's like, look, we can't structure the whole language. Sure, around you yeah. know, because you know how everything there. I don't know if you've ever taken a Spanish class. But, oh like, yeah, everything, everything is gender. There, Right. Everything is gendered. And so it's like, yeah. dude, yeah, we're not restructuring this whole thing. And a lot of Latin people, when you say Latinx, get, I've seen a lot of Mexican people get pissed off at that because it's like, you're not even respecting our language. 
Right. Mm -hmm. It's so overwoke that why don't you just be woke enough to learn Spanish? Right. And you're not even Latinx. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Latinx. That's funny. I'm surprised nobody has made a meme of that yet. Like just some Mexican dude with like the um with like the uh, Muslim hat on and shit. That'd be funny. They're just big glasses like mm, like Malcolm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Malcolm Latinx. Yeah. That's true. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Well, I, on the surgeon episode, was the surgery successful or not? Or was like a oh. malpractice episode? Um, oh, no, boy. I think my surgery was successful because I played at that point. I was I played a med. I started as a med student and then I became a surgeon, uh, uh, a heart a surgeon, by the way, a heart surgeon, by the way. Uh but yeah, it was successful. I mean, the scene it, in the scene it was successful. I had a lot of trouble doing that scene because you had to say a lot of words, surgery words, like really. Oh, a fast. lot of medical, a lot of medical terms. Yeah, yeah, which was really hard. And the thing with telenovelas is that they use actual they have... dead bodies. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I had to say it. The cartel. Wish their production value was that high. Break. That to use a real body. <laughs> Sorry, it was man. so stinky. It was so stinky. So you had to learn all these medical terms, and then well, a- the thing is, the thing is, you don't learn them. They oh. they write telenovelas as they go, right? Because they they see what people say on Twitter and check audience reactions, and then they write depending on what people. Wow. So you is have a little st- headphone in your ear, and mm-hmm. there's a guy who like is saying all your lines and the guy that you're working with lines. So it's like you hear in your ear, it's like, I love you. Why don't you love me? Because you're in love with my brother. Like that. You hear it like really fast and you have to repeat like with emotion. Oh, wow. And so when you're getting standard, is that like, is that, well, is that just telenovelas or is that like a soap opera thing? Only all Latin American soap operas do it in the U S they don't, but all that is crazy. So it's just all just on the fly. It's it's I mean, by the by the time I did my last one, I trained my memory to do it because that's I found that thing so confusing and they let me like sometimes the show will let you go by memory if you can train yourself to learn that quick. That is wild. But so there's no table reads, no scripts or you nothing. Have- no, wow. you literally wow. you go in one day, you get hired to do a show, you go in one day and you get a makeover. So you go and they decide how you're going to look. You like go mm-hmm. to to wardrobe and to hair and makeup and they take a bunch of pictures and they're like this is how you're gonna look and then you get some scripts and you just show up man and like you're filming you show up you do one rehearsal right before you film and you go wow so is the whole hollywood you know quote unquote is that process the same in in mexico as well where like you get an agent and a manager is it all the same type of shit no, it's starting to get more like that, but they work more on the old studio system. Now less, but when I was working there, you like signed an exclusive contract with a studio and you got a salary. Even if you're not working, you get a salary from a studio. And if you do a show, maybe they'll give you a little bit more, mm-hmm. but they have you and they also have you under exclusive contract. So like you can't work for anybody else. Damn. Wow. If you're working for the one network. What is so manager? I got my first show at 24. Okay. 
That's crazy. I had no idea you was a big Mexico Mexican TV star. Big is a strong word. No, nah, I'm gonna I keep was saying working. It. I was say working. It. I'm gonna keep saying it. Fuerte. Folks, we're here with the yeah. uh, surgeon from uh, Teresa. Uh, yeah, right. Today's PD and Chris's uh, Mexican telenovela podcast. Um, Donde esta day now? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried to tell the comedy clubs when I started that I had a lot of TV credits, but when it's Univision, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> young. Yeah, I got a lot of Sabado Gigante credits. That For real? That doesn't can't translate. Yeah, I've been on Despierta America twice. <laughs> so, oh, wow. damn, that's our morning show. Do you think in the Southwest people would like that? That would be a big deal. Like if you're in Arizona and Texas, people people will go, "Oh shit, I've seen her before." Yeah, if they're, I mean, now it's been a long time, right? I haven't been on TV for five years, but anybody, anybody who who like watches that stuff they'd be like oh yeah i wouldn't they wouldn't like freak out and be like that's but they'd be like oh yeah i remember you that's what they'll say wow that's cool that's funny you know or like i'll get people like what happens to me now sometimes with mexican people will be like do i know you from somewhere it's like that like they think they know me from uh, my oh, real see, life do you tell them sometimes but usually i'll be like no but sometimes or they'll like stare at me like i know her where do i know her from like that that's kind of, that's cool. Yeah. It's like I was on Teresa. I was they would go, oh shit, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And you say that and they're like, right, you were the doctor. Right. Uh, like that. That's cool, man. That's, that's awesome. my level of fame. That's my yeah. level of fame. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> my sister ran into uh this guy. I can't think of his real name, unfortunately, but he played Mikey Palmisi on uh Surprise. Oh, Al Sapienza. Yeah, Al Sapienza. Oh, she went, yeah. yeah. She ran into him at a hotel in uh, Toronto, but she said it was kind of sad because it was the show had ended. This was a few, um, I want to say six or seven years ago, the show was over. And she said he was kind of just standing in the lobby and she, he could, t she could tell he wanted people to recognize him. And she did uh -huh. a double. Yeah. She, she did a double tech and he was just like, yeah, it's me. She was just like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she took a picture. Of yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was when she told me the story, I felt kind of bad because I was like, ah, this guy, he's he kind of wants to be recognized. Uh, yeah, right. Al, Al Sapienza. You're making me want to drink. It's like a burp. Now you got me drinking water. Oh. Right? Oh, or like a burp it. or a yawn. It's important yeah. to stay hydrated. It is. Yep. All right. Speaking so, of fame. Speaking of fame. Yeah. Chris, you've been you've been you've done some really big shows, at least since I've quote unquote known, known you. I've done a couple and cool I, things. Yeah, and I think a cool thing about you is that you've managed to do it like not living in LA or New York. I've been fortunate, yeah, been fortunate. And it's all networking, right? You know, like, uh, like the uh, the Schumer thing was pretty cool. Even that was like what four or five years ago. But getting to work with Schumer that one time was really cool. And and honestly, <clears throat> that's what really helped me out a, a lot. Even though I'm obviously not famous. But working just that one show with her validated me as a comedian because I was also still active duty military. And like I would go back home and people knew I was in the military, but they also knew I was doing comedy. But they kind of saw this like, oh, you just he's a military guy, but he's kind of fucking around doing this comedy thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's not real. But then I got to work with Mark. You know, things happen. I end up being at home the same time that Schumer was at the uh the arena in rochester and you know i was able to get to the show backstage meet her and at the, literally at the last minute 
she was like, Hey, you want to go up and do five? I'm like, uh, yeah, there's 10,000 people there in my, in my hometown. Damn. I went up, That's had crazy. a good time. And after that, man, people took me seriously as a comedian, man. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. How like a moment. And how do you, how did you feel? Like, she's like, you want to go up and do it? I mean, you say yes, but how were you super nervous? You're like, or did you have a set ready to go? Did I, you have a I had a happen? set ready, but just in case, yeah. um, because I knew I was like, you know what? This is a com- it's a comedy show. I was like, I understand it's an arena. It's Schumer. It's a, it's a big deal. I was like, but at the end of the day, it's still just a microphone and a bunch of people around. And that's all it really is. It's just a big ass venue. That's it. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, so I should be ready just in case. I was like, it is highly unlikely that she will ask me, but I will be ready. And I was uh, and it worked out, man. It it, it did. I, I did well. And I, I can't say I killed or anything like that. It was five minutes, but it did really well. And um, I, I had never been on a stage that big, obviously. And it's just weird how quickly um, when you're in front of that many people, how quickly things grow. Yeah, because, dude, I came off stage. I almost I ba- I'm basically crying as I come off stage because it's so unbelievable. You know, I give her a hug. Mark is laughing at me and stuff. And, you know, they're taking pictures and stuff. And I go backstage and I'm just like, and I'm like, I can't believe this. So me and Mark are just going back and forth. And a little while later, I get on my Facebook page and there's just like, I can't say tons, but there's more than normal, just people tagging me in photos. And I I forget like, oh yeah, there's 10,000 people here in, in my hometown. So there were a bunch of people that I went to school with that were there. And they're like, oh, my so God, cool. I just saw Chris at the show, Amy Schumer show. I mean, it was like 10 or 15 people like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I didn't believe it. You know, yeah. people were hitting me up like, how come you didn't tell me? I was like, dude, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I was like, I literally had 60 seconds lead time. She asked me if I wanted to go on. I said, yes. She told me what to do. And she was like, all right, go on up. And I, I went up there. I didn't I didn't have any time to think about it at all. But when she told me to when I went up on stage was maybe two minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't imagine that. That must have been crazy. It was cool, but I I was ready. I was it was. Yeah, yeah, it was very. I didn't even give myself any time to even freak out and think about it. You know, I I saw the light and I don't know if that was if that was a two minute light or I got a minute left. But I saw the light. I did my last joke. (laughs) I brought the band up and I got out of there and it and it went well. And Norman said they were surprised at how comfortable I was on stage. Like, I just, I just, I wasn't nervous. I can't lie. Mm-hmm. I just, I just owned the moment, to be honest. And, and how many years were you in the comedy at that point in time? Uh, so I would say about seven or eight. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I had just met Mark a couple of months ago. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. months prior to that. I, th- I want to say that was Mother's Day weekend. And I, I met Mark in the, uh, that February. He did a show here in Charlottesville. And, uh, and we kind of kept in touch and I saw that he was going to be there and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be home. And I really wasn't. So I, I basically drove <laughs> all the way home because I thought we right. would just get to hang out. I didn't think I would actually get to go and hang out after the show or anything like that, or go backstage. So it all worked out. I went to the hotel afterwards. I went to her hotel room. You know, everybody was up there. They had all this barbecue. They were smoking weed. And uh, yeah, I remember, um, Hey man, what's the that uh um Deadpool had just came out? They were watching Deadpool, <laughs> drinking. Yeah, it was just a bunch of people in the hotel suite and stuff. It was it was pretty cool, man. It was pretty dope. 
Yeah, you wow. always have something in your back pocket for when that moment yeah. comes, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I was uh, I was nervous, too, because I want to say like the week prior or maybe two weeks prior to that. I don't know if y'all remember, but Schumer got into a big like um, almost like a, a public um, the argument. Kurt Metzger with, thing? No, this was just a regular oh. fan that wanted to take a picture or a video of her. And she said no. And the guy was like, we made you. You have to take my picture. And she got into this argument with somebody on the street. And after that, she was like, I'm not taking pictures with anybody else. Right. So I was like, well, she's definitely not going to let me come hang out now because this thing happened with this, you know, this guy. But right. um, so I'm leaving the hotel room and I'm like, hey, thank you so much for the for the um, for the time. I appreciate it. And I was like, I try to be funny. I go, oh, don't worry. I won't ask for a picture. And she goes, <laughs> and I just turn around. And walk out. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, that dude, that killed me, man. Oh. That killed me. Oh, I'm sure you thought about that. You thought about I that. Dude, I do. I thought about it for a couple of days. And then, and but what's funny is like a, the next day, Norman texts me about it. He was just like, Schumer was just laughing at, at your face when she made fun of you about the picture thing. So she did it on purpose because she knew right. it would kind of freak me out. And right. uh, yeah, she scared the shit out of me, but she thought it was funny. He thought it was funny. You know how it is when you yeah. around like really big name comics and they act like they're pissed and you're like, my career is over. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell every agency, like, don't ever book yeah. this guy. Don't sign him. Don't book this book him at this club. <laughs> she got yeah. me. She's a a lot of people don't like her, man, but she's very nice. And she, she is funny, man. I will say that. And I'm not just saying that because she gave me stage time, but she's very nice. And she was she was very, very cool, man. So, yeah, that's one thing I've noticed. I mean, I've never met her, but every comedian I know that has met her says nice things. Yeah, she's she's cool. She was nice. I haven't oh, really yeah. met too many people who weren't nice. And you oh, you open, yeah, you open for Mark Norman a lot, right? Yeah, for, uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Yep. I think uh, hopefully that should be coming to an end soon. Now, I'm I'm yeah. you know as much as I love working with the guy, I'm definitely ready to. Um, branch out on my own you know that's that's okay. basically what they help you do is build some momentum and, and help you get a, an audience and then you know once you can start headlining it's kind of off on your own but uh i mm-hmm. i told him i was like hey don't forget about me then when, when you hit those theaters man because yeah. i think he's going to be in theaters <laughs> yeah. here with, within the next year hey man sam mm-hmm. Murillo, they, they should be in theaters here pretty soon man mm-hmm. oh sam Murillo just sold out 11 shows like yeah, a bunch of shows at Arlington Draft House. Yeah, they kept adding and adding and adding. But see, a guy like you know. Sam and and and, and uh, Mark, they're such joke guys that they would rather yeah. do the eleven shows. You know, at least right now, as things start to reopen, you know, because those guys they they want reps. So I think once they feel yeah. like they got their reps in, they, they're gonna they're gonna move to theaters. But right now, I think they're very, very happy to, to take the reps because, dude, I would love to have been on that weekend to get 11 shows in. Oh, oh God, my that God. would be great. Mm-hmm. It would be a lot, but it would be a lot of reps, a lot of practice. Yeah, but a I feel like now. Money. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, very exactly. true, too. Yeah, for them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was going to say, I don't know. Probably it would be some money, but probably not enough. You could guess. make rent for a month as a feature on that bill. Oh, yeah. Definitely good. That's true. Definitely That's true. Good. Did you guys know that in the 80s, somebody told me recently that in the 80s, you could make, I think it was like over the equivalent of now, like over a hundred a grand a year just featuring. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep, there, there, there so, were people back in the eighties and nineties. I mean, they had been doing comedy for two years, making seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year, doing co- headlining. I, I would watch this thing about Andrew Dice Clay. He went to an open mic one time, and they asked him to come back to headline that weekend. Like that's how crazy that was. Like he did well on a mic, and they go, "Hey, do you want to come back and headline for the weekend?" And he said he went out and bought joke books. And he was basically he was basically doing stock jokes because he had like five minutes. Right, right. And he made that whole routine that wasn't actually him because he was a Jew and everyone thought he was Italian. Yeah, I know. But but God bless. I love it. it, Was that the Dangerfield set or was that some other thing? I I think it was even something before. I think it was like some no name thing. I don't even know if it was Dangerfield. It could have been something. It could be. But he was like, I went up there to the mic, I, I killed, and they asked me to come back to headline. <laughs> I was like, that is crazy. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. But he also had like one of, I think, the fastest trajectories of anybody in comedy. I feel like, and I feel like that's a perfect example, right? He just did this so quick, and then it was just like right back again. Yeah, because yeah, I think he did Madison Square Garden. He might have been the first. Yeah, yeah. Dice Rules. Dice Rules. Yeah. Great special. Uh, but yeah, no, I could see why it didn't last because I mean, one thing was a lot of the diehards thought it was like a really authentic act, and then it was yeah not real enough in actuality. And Howard Stern said that was Dice's biggest mistake. But then the other thing was it was even for now, now especially, but for then it was too offensive to the point of like everybody else hated him and i think comics got jealous because he surpassed him and the only person that went to bat for him was eddie murphy who yeah. said he was the best you isn't know? that crazy how people it's, it's funny how people like to uh, almost lie about the past like oh people didn't get offended people hated andrew dice clay yeah they used to try to shut the dude down man and like you said it, it, it when you hear inter- interviews of, uh, uh with him he talks about how he was basically like a social pariah yeah, you yeah. Know, people didn't want to touch him. So it's just like this whole thing of like, oh, people nowadays, it's like, no, I mean, people have always been like this. It's just, you know, always been sensitive about something. Like I yeah. thought about this the other day, you know, as much as the not to get into too much of the politics, but you hear a lot of people on the right complain about cancer culture. Remember back in 2002 when Bill O'Reilly got Ludacris's Pepsi deal yeah. taken away? Pepsi, yeah. They got his Pepsi deal taken away. I didn't away. know about that. Yes. I grew up in Mexico. I don't know yep. what happened. They said that Pepsi, he t- he basically got on his news show and lambasted Pepsi, saying it was a family company and how dare they uh, have this guy who curses, who belittles women. Who Denigrates women. Yeah, words, yeah, degrades women. How dare really? they? Really? How mm-hmm. dare they let him represent a family company? And now, now look at them. Wow. It's, it's, it's so phony. It is so yeah. phony. Yeah. I mean, I do believe cancel culture is a real thing, but I think the way that a lot of Republicans now are taking it to where it's like you shouldn't be canceled if you hold public office and you do something ridiculous is ludicrous. But like, you know, Shane Gillis or, you know, other guys that entertainment on this show, I think that's extreme because they're fucking comics. You know, I, I, I feel there's too much of people saying that there's either too much cancel culture there's no cancel culture to be spoken of and i think both are lies right yeah it's it's you're you're right about that man 
Yeah, I also think I also think it's really sad with a lot of cancer culture how like establishments will suddenly put their hands up and be like, oh, oh, we're so offended. Like I think Shane Gillis, I think that was a perfect example. Like he was on this podcast actually pretty pretty soon before that happened, probably like three or four mm-hmm. weeks before that all went down. And I hadn't met him before. And he came on the podcast. And after the podcast, I was like, that guy's funny. But like, and as soon as you turned on the recorder, I mean, he's just saying crazy shit. It's just the comic that you, it's just who he is. Yeah. Right. And, right. It's just who, and then you turn it off and he's like the nicest guy. But yeah. I was like, don't tell me that SNL didn't know that when they yeah. hired him. They did. I met that guy. I met that guy one time for half an hour backstage. And like, that's just the kind of comic he is. And then they're suddenly like, oh, oh, we didn't know he's not getting this job. It's like, you knew they had him delete so much stuff. Like they knew exactly who they were hiring. So the fact that they didn't stick by their hire or say anything about it, you know, just for like, oh, just put their hands up and separated themselves from an up and coming comic. Yeah, I thought that was pretty sad. Yeah, it's it's corporate pressure. And, And the thing is, I was just saying today, it's funny, you know, because corporations are seen as as uh, people, basically, right? You know, they can right. c- contribute to campaigns and all this type of shit, and, and that's the problem. I just think a long time ago, a lot of these conservatives, they, they that's what they wanted because they they wanted these advertisement dollars. They wanted they wanted to get paid, but now the landscape has changed. We don't have these like um these conservative, you know, uh, titans of industry, you know, uh, like like it was 30, 40 years ago. It's shifted now. Everything is 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 tech tech based, you know. Yeah. Every, no one no one cares what Clorox thinks or what Cheerios thinks or Wheaties thinks. Now it's all about Facebook and all these and those companies are ran by liberal people and they give politicians and a bunch of big interest groups a shit ton of money. And guess yes, what? They when they when you do something or you have someone on your show that you don't that they don't like, and they're giving you three hundred million dollars, they're like, yo, we don't like this guy either get rid of him or we're going to take out $300 million. What do you think is going to happen now? They, yeah. Again, look at the example I gave you. Yeah. Pepsi caved in to, uh, to Bill O'Reilly, O'Reilly because at the time it's 2002, you got all this stuff going on in Iraq. You got nine 11 happen and people, you know, don't want to upset these family companies. Conservatives are kind of like running shit. And that people are fearing Jesus again. (laughs) Exactly. But now the times have changed. And like these, these liberal guys are kind of the ones running shit. Now, all of a sudden the right is like, Oh, these companies are oppressive. We can't do and say anything. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. You know, the the same guys that are like, Oh, LeBron James can't complain about racism. He's rich. Is I like, I I fuck with Joe Rogan. I fuck with a lot of comics. That doesn't mean that I agree with everything they say, but it's like, dude, stop crying saying you can't say shit. It's like, you just signed a hundred million dollar deal for your podcast. Yeah. yeah, Don't tell me white guys can't say shit, dude. Yeah. Okay. And and there's, and and there's other guys that I I don't, the only reason why I say Rogan because he's so up there, he's untouchable, but other comics, I don't, I don't comment on other comics, what they do really just because that's just how I am. I might not agree with other comics, but everybody, everyone does their own thing. And right. I don't say this like I've been doing comedy for so, so long, like way longer than you guys. But I was talking to uh, Umar Khan, another friend of ours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I tried to tell him, I was like, dude, when I first started, there wasn't this click of like, oh, these are the uh, alt right comics and these are woke comics. It was either you were either funny or you weren't funny. Exactly. And all the all the funny comics 
hung out, no matter if you were like the raunchy guy, the clean guy, the urban guy, it's just like all the funny comics hung out together because they were the ones that were the funniest. They got booked. They helped each other out. And no one, they might not have liked everyone's act, but no one really cared. Like, oh, I can't fuck with that guy because he does jokes about gay people or he did a black joke or he did a joke about like, uh, you know, whatever it was at the time. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It was none of that. No, no. I watched that shift too. And I remember thinking like, you know, if this was sports, like, they would never pick someone who was whack at like the rucker or something for like a pickup right, exactly. game or someplace. Right. Yeah. So why now? You know, like someone can do something a little fancier. They cross all the T's and dot the I's in terms of like whatever the woke thing is, the right thing to say. But to me, it's like if it's the right thing to say totally, it's never really even that funny. Right. It, it can be, but yeah. generally it, it should be a little it's bit not, off. You know? Right. That's what Chappelle, yeah. Chappelle said that um it was I want to it was I think it's the uh what is it, the bird bird equimini I can't remember the name of it I'm bad at remembering the titles yeah, I know. and shit the bird but he was um, bird's eye something like no, that no it's like the it's some kind of mystical bird name I don't know yeah but in the beginning of that he was just saying like I'm not I say stuff because it's funny like I don't care if it's yeah. if it's mean I just say it because it's funny yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about a lot of, I feel like a lot of comics. I mean, I started later than than you guys. So I definitely came into like a clicky comedy sort of scene everywhere. And I felt that there's a lot of, especially when you're new, like there's all this worry about being hacky. And it's like, if the audience is laughing, does it matter? Right. Bird revelation. Yeah. Bird revelation. Yeah, it's... um. It's just this weird thing of like, why do we have to mean everything that we say on stage? You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just comedy. What I don't like is when people kind of, when people get, when, when we start to conflate different worlds, like uh, take, um, um, what was, what was old girl's name from um, um, uh, the Disney show? I'm so bad with names. Miley. The no, she got. Well, I'm sorry. She got. She got fired from um, Mandalorian. Oh, Gina Carano. Gina Carano, and they go. Oh, Gina Carano said this and that. She got fired. That's not fair. What about Bill Burr? And I saw some other comics. Uh, I was. I, I won't say his name. I saw a comic on uh, on Twitter like, "Oh, Gina Carano gets fired, but Bill Burr." And I'm like, "See, this is what I don't like." Here's a guy who he's a white comic who feels like he can't say anything because he's straight and white and he doesn't have a group. And he's just like, how come Bill Burr can say shit? But Gina Carano, I'm like, dude, you're a comic. Gina Carano is not a fucking comedian. Yeah. So stop. That's one thing I hate about comics. Do not compare what actors, athletes and politicians say either on social media or on TV. It's not the same. They're not comedians. They're they're. They're making statements. That's completely different. Bill Burr says stuff on his podcast and on stage. Don't compare the two because now you're doing exactly what you say you hate that other people are doing. You're 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 taking uh, a non-comics comment and you're trying to bathe them in the light of a of a comic. It's like they're not a comedian, dude. Stop it. Yeah. Don't do yeah. that. It's like I understand she should have the right for to free speech, but she's not a comedian. She's not a comic. And I'm not right. saying he can't defend her, but don't compare what she says as an actor to what a comic is saying on stage. 
it's not the same. I hate that. Yeah, the bag is considerably smaller as a comic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, unless, dude, she's, yeah. you know, she's an actor. Unless you're going to be on SNL. Right. She's an actor. Seriously. She made political statements. She said, you know, she made statements about, you know, whatever she did. That is not the same as Bill Burr's, you know, go digging horse bit. That's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Not the same. So don't compare the two. Don't don't act like she's a comedian and she's being, you know, uh, tossed aside for making a, a joke. No, she wasn't making jokes, man. No. Nope, and she, she was told several wasn't. times to, to stop doing the shit. And that's what kills me about these motherfuckers, too, because it's like they'll watch a police video and they go, oh, they told this guy seven times to get out the car. That's why they tased him or that's why they beat this guy. But for some reason, when it comes to these right wing actors who want to make these weird political statements and they are told several times by their employer to stop doing this and then they're yeah. fired and then they go, yeah. oh, that's not fair. You were told several times. Why can you understand that in the police video? Or, you know, you you try to justify that in the police video. But when it comes to some right wing actor making dumb statements and they lose their job, you don't understand. But right. somehow you can understand somebody getting shot in the back over a police over a, over a, a traffic violation. I don't I don't get it. Yeah. Just comply. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I go off on these fucking rants, man. That's all right. That's why we brought you in. Exactly. And another thing. <laughs> we don't want to hear anybody that's hinged. Yo, you want to hear unhinged? That's true. Yeah. Unhinged makes for better listening. It does. Right? Yeah. So speaking of um having a career, you recently retired from the other thing, the military, right? And mm -hmm. now it's comedy and you're ready to make the next leap to kind of touring headliner no longer under the the norman wing so to speak so right. how, how does one get enough notoriety to kind of make that jump do you have an agent now or someone saying anything no not at all no agent no manager um i've gotten to meet some you know and my name has been floated out there for some stuff um you know mark has been very good to me uh adrian appalucci she's been great to me she's always you know her. yeah me too man she's been so helpful man like when I met her, I was just in a rut, man. I felt so bad about my career, where it was going. I just felt so stagnant. And I worked with her at the DC Improv. And she was just like, you are really funny. She was like, I like you a lot. She was like, I wish I really want to help you out, you know? But uh, <clears throat> so, you know, she's floating my name out there to her manager and stuff like that. But I just, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't live in New York, you know? And if you're going to have a manager, an agent, you just have to have the potential to make money. And mm -hmm. that's why for me, I'm in the, I'm in at this spot now. And I should have been doing this a long time ago. It's like she was just saying, like, have scripts and ideas and stuff written down, have stuff ready. Uh, I got mm -hmm. my album coming out in, in August. I just found that that's going to be the, the final release date is in August. So, you know, the, the album should help. Hopefully a lot of it gets on XM. It gets on uh, satellite radio. That should help my followership uh, to a degree. And also still going out with Mark and going up to New York. You know, mm -hmm. and right. uh, honestly, man, for me, I think it's actually being more pointed and um, just really being cognizant of what I want to do online. Like I have a podcast, but I'm when I think about it, I'm so afraid to put myself out there. Like I really don't do a lot to promote myself. That's probably one of the hardest things I have to deal with is promoting myself. 
So it's actually like doing the podcast, taking the time out to maybe make a couple clips to have a preview for that, you know, mm-hmm. making sure I'm engaging with people online, you know, just just doing all that kind of stuff, having a website, you know, because I had all that stuff so early on. I had a website, I had a comedy page. And then mm-hmm. as I really got into like just the the grind of comedy, I'm like, why do I have this website? Like no one's I'm emceeing, I'm feet, I'm, I'm not even featuring like no one cares. I'm making these big posters for every weekend that I'm emceeing at the Dayton Funny Bone. But that's the kind of stuff you do as a new comic. You, you think you need all this stuff, the business cards, the Facebook page and all this okay. kind of stuff. And I'm like, I need to worry about being a goddamn comic. Yeah, so I got rid of that's all right. that shit and just started focusing on being being funnier, you know, and I finally got mm-hmm. some merch that I that sells well, you know, so it's just it's just small steps, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, I think self-promotion is one of the hardest parts. It's a really important part of this career. And I think it's one of the hardest parts because it is to be funny. You have to being funny requires a lot of focus. Yeah. And time. And like, it's not necessarily like a bit is something that you sit and you write during the day, like a script or anything like that. But your brain, your brain power, when it's focusing on writing jokes and being good at comedy, it's not necessarily on like, let me make sure I get the bit with the subtitles, you know, yeah. that I can cut for Instagram. Right. And or the- like, yeah, you're doing your podcast and you go, oh, let me make sure this point is really succinct. That way yeah, it's yeah. under a minute and it won't be, you know, sent to IGTV or, you know, it's right. stuff like that. Yeah. Stuff like that. You people, I, I don't think about. Uh, and like, I, I just like, I don't record all my, I don't video record all my sets, you know, yeah. just making clips. It's just, dude, it just seems like there's just so much. Like, it just, it reminds me of uh, that that um, Hedberg bit where he goes like, um, oh, I want to do comedy. And then pe- the people are like, oh, can you can you write a script? Write us a script. It's just like, I want to do comedy. It's just like, uh, mm-hmm. no one goes to a chef like, oh, you're a chef, can can you farm? Like, no, yeah. one, no one does that. But now, dude, you have to not only be a comic, it's just like now you basically have to produce your own little one hour show with a podcast and you gotta have because if dude if you notice like all the top tier um podcasts now it is they're stepping up at first it was just like oh now they're doing video then they're doing captions now like with norman and those dudes they're doing three camera shoots they they're zooming in they're doing uh, you know wide angles they're 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 uh they're pushing in on each other when they're talking is the cameras are going back and forth it's just like you have to produce a TV show almost at this point. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, they have a lot of produce. I mean, they they get producers to work for them. I mean, I yeah. spent a lot of time, you know, trying to make this podcast better and like watching a lot of podcasts and looking at like, okay, how do I do this? And a lot of them have, it's a lot of times like newer comics that are just like good at technical stuff, like full on working as a producer. They work the cameras, right. they work the audio, they work all that stuff so that the comics can just be funny. But you need a team. Yeah, that, yeah that's what I have, to, now. I have to tell Mark sometimes too. I'm like, dude, I don't have some young videographer who wants to follow me around and shoot shit with me. Like, yeah. if I do something, I have to do all of it myself. Like, yeah. people contact them and go, "Hey, man, I wanted, I saw you and Sam were doing this," and then like they they want to do it all. All they do yeah. is show up, they do the thing, and then this person presents them the final product. It's like I'm not in the position to do any of that shit. You know, I have yeah. to do if I do it, I'm going to have to shoot everything myself, buy the software, learn how to do it. You know, and it's just going to take a long time. And for, for, for somebody like me, 
uh, it's just like you put all these man hours into editing and all this kind of stuff, and then you post this video, and it's like cool, 123 views. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I spent seven hours putting together this one minute video. You know what I mean? Yeah. Editing, putting a, a title screen, and making after, yeah. after effects. It's a lot because I had a buddy, man. He was producing a basically like a, a late, almost like a late night kind of a desk. Uh, it was kind of like a, um, I'm not not really a late night show, but like a desktop kind of show where like he had a lot of these different, um, you know, video clips. He had desk pieces, all this kind of stuff, and he was just like, dude, I can't do this anymore. He's like, I spend so much time just producing this, and then no one watches it. And I was like, yeah, I, I get it. You know, it, yeah. it, it's a lot. It's but, a uh, lot of work. Like yeah, I remember one of one of the times I was most like struck by that. Somebody who I won't say who it is, but somebody opened that that we all know opened for Andrew Schultz at DC Improv. And this is like, I feel like before I feel like over the pandemic, especially, I feel like he's like really exploded. This is probably like a year before. He told me Andrew Schultz had like a whole team. Yeah, they yeah. do. I mean, he he rolls with a whole team and that's how he's able to do i mean what he's done is incredible but he's got like a video guy a guy who helps set up cameras all over the whole the whole club it's amazing yeah i mean i don't know if you guys are familiar i know pd probably is but you know uh, carlos miller 85 south guys Mm -hmm. same thing with them like when i was working the the uh the small room when they were carlos was in the main room and you go in there there's a camera guy there's somebody with a laptop. I mean, like these guys, like what do like what show to them? He has people that are so good. By the time he comes off stage, there's already clips of what happened on stage out on the internet before he's even done. That's insane. Captions, all that shit. Wow. Because I think that crowd work special happened at the DC Improv. It he was just it. like, it was fuck it, I'm just going to release this as a special. Yeah, it was that weekend, actually, that the person who opened for him told, told us about it. He said he said that they didn't even, he was like, yeah, I didn't get a tape because all, Schultz just took out the improv tapes and just put his own cameras. That's what these guys are doing. All it's over just, the room, yeah. and which is amazing. But I was like, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever, listening to it. But also, you're like, fuck, I can't do that. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> yeah. they keep, yeah, they keep nice, you know, high-res action shots of them on stage posted. There's yeah. all there's constantly just clips from their podcast up. It's just clips, 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 yeah. high, high res photos. It's just it looks professional. The, the you know, it, it looks and sounds great and people are drawn to it. But it, yeah, it's just figuring out like for me, it's just like, how can I how can I do something kind of similar, but on a budget? You yeah, know, right, right. Yeah. like right. my wife and I talk about that. We just talked about this the other day about, you know, because I'm, I'm just like, I, I got to get some things moving. And she was like, well, you're going to have to do a lot of things that you really don't want to do. And I'm like, yep. I didn't get into comedy to be a producer and a videographer and an editor. I was like, I don't want to do that stuff. I don't. Yeah. yeah. But if you Too don't, bad. guess what? Think- Think of journalists, okay, who didn't want to learn how to use email and social media and shit like that. And it used to be the newspaper men of the old days wouldn't even go to journalism school. They were some of the best in the business then because that would fly. They had instincts, you know, so they could go find that hot story and go out and write a wild thing and a nuanced thing. Now they're like these companies are like, you must have a J school degree. You must be taught to think, you know, homogeneously with everybody else. And here's this 
big complex issue you have two hours to put this into some kind of fucking blog and there's no way anybody 24 does that that well you know what right. i mean but without being there's like, so much clickbait you have to have it. yeah i was gonna say you have to be over the top is irrelevant yeah right yeah. You got to be over the top. Even when you when you post co- clips of your comedy, you have to say s- something outrageous. You just can't say, hey, this is a funny bit. It's just like a uh, fat white woman gets destroyed by black comedian yeah. on stage yeah. for being, you know, you got to have all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of work. And I don't know if this has happened to you guys, but I've I'll, like whenever I post comedy clips, right, I'll like spend like you said, like seven hours being like, okay, I got a tape that's okay. I'm gonna like cut it back. I did the subtitles and then you upload it and you notice something's wrong. Like like the way it cuts off on Instagram, it like cuts off at your forehead. And then I have to like upload it like seven times trying to fix it. Yeah, I've done that. And again, 119 views. You go, why did I waste half my day right. producing this thing? But it's all about consistency. That's, that's, right. that's what I always have to tell people people man it's just like i know it sucks but we 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 do have to do it man i hate it you know because it's like yeah just i I tell people like because a lot of people think getting famous on the internet is easy you know or going viral they think it's easy i go dude you have to go back to that person's youtube page or go back to their instagram page and scroll all the way down and you'll see that like a hundred views a thousand views you know what i mean then one video gets twenty five thousand, and you know they might think like okay this is it and the next, the next 10 videos, 500 views, 300 views. You just got to stick it out. And Bill yeah. talks about that too, man, because people go, how'd you make it? He goes, I just stuck it out. He was like, there were way funnier people than me. They just quit. He's like, I just kept doing it. Yeah. yeah. Scott Sice is an instructive example in that. I mean, you've seen all his shit going viral now. He has 250,000 followers and he follows 600 some people and one of them's me. And I'm like, that's because I know him from back in the day. That's it. But then you go through like all those things where he's the Ikea man bitching about customers or whatever that go millions and LeBron James is retweeting them or whatever. And then the first two before any of those, maybe the first one now has like a hundred thousand views, but everyone after that, it's like a hundred ten or something, you know, it's you're exactly right. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, when people, when that, when that wave hits, you think, Oh, like, this is it, you know? And yeah. it, it, it goes away so quick. So like with the Schumer thing, man, like I, I do the show with Schumer, I go back to work and I'm I'm at lunch Monday, just chilling. And I, and I, I go grab my phone and uh, Norman's blowing my phone up. He's like, I need your number, man. He's like, I need your email. Schumer's asking for your email. I'm like, Oh shit. So I send the email. And then uh, have you guys ever heard of Mike Berkowitz? Yeah. Well, he's like one of the biggest comedy agents on the planet, if not the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Like he emailed me. I got an email from Mike Berkowitz like, hey, my client, Amy Schumer, said you were great. I watch his stuff. I think you're strong. Let's have a talk. And I'm like, holy shit, here we go. So mm-hmm. I had a I had a phone call with Mike Berkowitz. I was on the phone with like four other agents, TV agents, all these people. I got another call from a dude that she knew who was out at uh, like CAA or some other company out, out west. And I'm like, holy shit, like this is about to happen. But I had two years left in the military and nothing happened from it. But at the time, I'm thinking like this, this is it, man. I'm about to get an agent, a manager like this is about to get crazy. And it all died. (laughs) Why do you think it died? That's just that's just the nature of the business, man. Yeah. 
it's just you know you think you're gonna get something and it, it goes away like yeah. i like uh i can say it now because it, it didn't happen but i do before the pandemic i came so close to going on tour with burt kreischer so close norman recommended me but he also told him that I didn't drink anymore. And I think that's, that took me out of the, uh, the running for it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But also, I mean, one thing, and this I have experience with, like one thing that a lot of people don't realize is like, you can get the thing, like you can get something that you're like, this is it. Like mm -hmm. I got, I'm getting this job. Like this is it. Oh. And then nothing happens. Yeah. I think that happened to a lot of actor friends of mine. That they'll yeah. get on some huge project. You're like, oh my God, you know, she's, and they'll, they've starred. I have friends who have like starred in Disney shows. I have friends who have starred in Netflix shows, like things that you're like, oh, well, that's it. Yeah. You know, that's it. They're going to be a, you know, it's over. And then it, nothing happens. Nothing. Now they're standing in a hotel lobby waiting for me to recognize. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Next thing you know, you're Al Sapienza. Yep. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's a wild business, man. I'm really learning to like not to say a whole lot until you know, you know for sure, man. It's yeah. just <laughs> I, I, got I've I got that advice in an acting class, and that's the best some of the best advice I ever got. That you do not tell anybody what you're auditioning for or the phone calls you get until you're on the set. Don't tell anybody. It goes away. It's like, it's like if you miscarry a baby, like the more people you tell, the more people you have to tell that it didn't work out. Right. Totally. Or they like, what happened to the thing that you, oh man, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens all the time when you get so close to getting that thing. Another story reminds me of Kevin Hart. He said he was, uh, I don't know if you guys heard this story, but he was literally about to go out and do the presser with the entire cast of this new show that he was going to do. This is some years back. Literally, he said his hands on the door. On the other side of that door is the press. They're going to go out and announce this show. Someone from the network walks in and goes, show's off. Not happening. Literally, that, that he came that close. Literally, a door. Open the door, walk out. We got a show. I'm on it. They're on it. Just like that. Seconds from announcing the show to like, no, nah, we're not doing it. It's gone. Sorry. Yeah, that's, that's what's crazy about this business. Don't realize about Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart has been through so much. Like Kevin Hart and like Tiffany Haddish too. Like those yeah. are both two people that were working and trying for so long. Chappelle. Uh, I was just listening to his Rogan episode. He, he said his production company is called Pilot Boy because he did so many fucking pilots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's I listen to some, yeah, I listen to the Sopranos podcast and, you know, uh, they have a lot of the actors on there mm -hmm. and just listening to how many pilots a lot of these people have done. Like the guy who played J uh, Jackie April, he was uh, on Jason, Jason Cerrone or Cerbone. Yeah. Yes. Him. They, uh, he was on, he was in so many pilots. He said he's done about 30 or 40 pilots. Yeah. Same. You know, that, or like when you audition for something like seven times and don't get it that's happened to me a couple times before they I've talk about so that too far, so far in the audition process where i was like i got it like i like i'm gonna get like they wouldn't ask me to do it and they like and it's between you and somebody else and they go with somebody else yeah, yeah. that's happened to me so many times it was happening to me a lot actually right before i moved here and in, in mexico because i hit that point where i was like not 
famous yet, but everybody knew me. So I was like auditioning a lot and I was just losing to more famous people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the most glorious nights of my whole almost nine years in comedy was February 2020, right when the pandemic was going to break out. I get the call from Ari Manis to be like, hey, if you're free tomorrow night, MGM, Theo Vaughn, we need a host. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And I put it online and then boom, late that night, you know, Ari hits me up and he's like, yeah, sorry, man. I forgot that, you know, Theo forgot to tell me he's bringing a host. You know, I'm really sorry, man. This sucks. I have to take everything off social media. And I hit him back and I'm like, well, I mean, what about a guest spot? Maybe. And then I figure it's totally. And this this was so funny in a way, because before I had this gig, I was supposed to like headline at summers that night you know and i'm like thinking whatever you know i do it a million times nice place i'll make 50 bucks oh yeah but i canceled i you know i canceled it i was just like yeah no fucking way i'm going theo bond they help they understand that and then i get the call and i leave i'm like all dejected then i show up at summers after the show you know and they're like well hey you can you can still go tomorrow night because we have another show here at Summers tomorrow night. So I'm like, oh yeah, cool, you know, whatever, make lemonade. Next day, 3 p.m., Ari hits me back and he's like, You're on for the guest set. So I call up Summers uh, again and be like, I know you guys think you saved somebody, but you know, I'm a piece of shit. So I'm going back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And rolled in and 3,000 people, eight fucking minutes. It was glorious. I mean, everything you said in a way about the thing with it's the so much fun. People, yeah. Yeah. Asking it. It's glorious. Yeah. But I definitely could see how a bomb, if I'd done that in there, would have been most painful. Like, holy. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're done. Yeah. You don't yeah. see anybody out there, but maybe the first row and it's all black out there. It's yeah. like fucking like you're in deep space or something and you're just waiting for thunder claps of laughter or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Don't get in those kind of gigs. It's so scary, man. Especially when like, um, cause you, you're just like, they're going to take it. They're going to take it. You just know, like they're going to take it away, man. Yeah. It, it, like I, I, this is now this, I don't know if I'm the only comic. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only comic that does this. Like, <clears throat> Say like um, I do get to work with somebody that has a big name. Whenever I talk about it, like if on social media, I never tag them on social media because there's a part of me that's just like if they see it, they go, let me see this fucking dude. And they yeah. look at it and go, I don't like him. Yeah, <laughs> that happened to me. Oh, yeah. Get him off the show. Yeah, that that straight up happened to me. I it asked did? to open. Yeah, I asked to open for Nick DiPaolo, maybe like five or six years ago and I loved him on tough crowd and stuff mm-hmm. and you know Andy Randolph approved it whatever and that was gonna be my first hosting weekend at Arlington you know and I was like jazzed up for it and everything and then I put it online again Twitter and Facebook and then maybe like two days later Nick calls Andy and he's like yeah or sends him an email he's like is this that rapper guy because I have battle raps that I used to do online, you know, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna make it a two-man show. I don't want that guy or whatever." And Andy, just nice as he is, just told me like, "Oh yeah, he's just going with a two-man show. Like it's nothing personal." Yeah, yeah, I can and, see the Paulo doing that, you know. And then down the road, 
you know, Andy was like, actually, that's kind of what went down. And I was like, ah, ain't no thing. But yeah, had I not tagged him and been like, I'm opening for Nick DiPaolo or whatever, probably I may have kept the gig. Who knows? Yeah. Wow. It's yeah, it's it's just even even with the club, like you, you just get so scared because oh yeah, you can open for this person. And then like like I remember years ago, man. Um, Ari wasn't that famous, but I knew who he was. I was like, oh man, this is Ari Shafir is gonna be in Dayton. And they called me from the club. They go, Hey man, you want to feature for Ari? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to feature for Ari. You know, this is probably like um what year is this? It's probably like 2014 or something like that, 2015. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to do it, man. And dude, I'm on my way to the club in my car. He calls me the the booker and goes, hey, man, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. I'm just going to feature. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to open. He's like, but you can still come hang out. And I'm like, yay. Uh, yeah, it, it was, cool. it was one of those booker slash comic slash comedy club owner deals. Yeah. We're like, he's the booker, he's the owner, and he's a comic. So, yeah, dude, I got dressed. I was excited. Like, like you said, put it online. And on my, on my way there, a 10-minute drive, hey, man, I'm going to do it myself. Go to the show. Has a, He has a mediocre set. And I'm like, okay, this, this is cool. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, you just the lessons you learn, man. Yeah. yeah. I've done the thing too, where you show up to the club and uh, like, I, I, I don't have, I have nothing against Jason. He's the book. He used to run the uh, wrist and funny bone, but there were plenty of one nighters. I would show up on the Thursday or a Sunday. I go, Hey, what's up, man? Here you go. What are you doing here? I go, you texted me to, about this show. He goes, Oh shit, man. I double booked, man. My bad, man. What about it? I'm like, I drove an hour to get here, man. Yeah. Do a I guest spot. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Shit like All that. Right. Yeah, show up to an. That's empty the worst, place. man. Huh? Yeah, when you show up to the empty place and you're like, uh. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's, that's the business, man. You know, just have getting stuff and then having it taken away. It's uh, yeah. it, it it really sucks, man. Yeah, it really it, sucks. It, it gets easier. I mean, I felt like I don't know with that whole when I was going through all that audition stuff. Like eventually, I just didn't get emotionally attached to anything. It was yeah, like, like those kind of gigs, I wouldn't care about. Like, but when I got to open for Hannibal. I was just like, I just want this to go smoothly. I don't right, want to get right. it. And as you get closer to the show, you go, man, I think it's going to get, it's going to get snatched, man. And yeah. you just want, you want to get to the gig even earlier because you feel like if I get in the place, they can't tell me no, yeah. but, but they can. Hard idea. I always get worried about get being there too early. Cause I'm like, man, if I'm too early, that gives them too much time. And maybe I'll say the wrong thing. That's and true. And I'll too. get fired. So I don't want to get there too early because I'm always ready to go really early. But yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to get there too early. I'll do like a nice in between. So nobody judges that I'm there just early enough. Right. So you don't look like a super new, overly anxious comic, but you also right. don't want to fucking right. you don't want to you don't want Hannibal or whoever else to show up before you and you come just strolling in. Yeah. You know, like you own the place. It's like you got to. It's a weird thing. It's kind of like with the military, man, where you, you gotta um you gotta kiss the ring a little bit. You know, you yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta act even even for me, man, working at clubs, it's like I you you have to act a little overly happy to be there and appreciative. Yeah. Even though oh, yeah. at this point it's like it's work, but hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. you gotta let people know that you appreciate being there. You know, just yeah. you gotta you gotta bow a little bit, you know. Yeah, but the other cool thing I think with that is and tell me if you guys feel the same. 
is like, I feel like opening for, for a lot of people, you learn a little bit, what kind of headliner you want to be. Oh like, yeah. I would say 80% of people that I've opened for when you're the opener, you kind of also have to be, you have to play to their ego a little bit and be like, no, that joke went great. I thought it was funny. And you kind of have to be like, Oh no. Yeah. What, which joke? Oh, I see that what you're talking about. No, it's the audience. Like crowd was weird. And then there's like 20% of headliners that I've noticed. They'll just let that roll off. And like, they'll finish their set. And then they'll write down like, okay, this went good. And you don't need to be like, no, you right. were great. You know what I mean? And I feel like, yeah. nah, I don't know. I don't, How do you guys feel about that? It's, go ahead, go ahead, B. I just give them a general seal of approval unless I'm sure they're really asking me an earnest question. Like if we've hit yeah. it off. Generally, they don't even ask me, you know, like, hey, you think that went well or whatever. Sometimes there's certain ones that I've worked with who I have like relationships with. I could tell they're doing it to kind of like size up my comic IQ. Like they might know if something they said went wrong or right or whatever, right. or to see kind of where I'm at with it and what I'm going to say. Um, you know, so it's it's totally by ear for me. Right. I, read the person first yeah it's a weird thing because it's also it's that hierarchy thing of like because in certain like like for me there are some cases where the person headlining they've been doing comedy less than i have or just as much or just as long Mm -hmm. but i'm also either emceeing or featuring and there's like that that aspect of it and it's just like they don't want to hear especially the MC say like their joke didn't do well. Cause they're like, like who the fuck are you to say that my joke didn't do well, you know? Right. So a lot of times, yeah, I just, I don't say anything. <laughs> I don't say anything. What I learned very on early on is like, don't expect anything from the headliner. Cause like when you're yeah. super new, when you're really new and you, you want them to watch you so bad. Cause I remember I had a buddy of mine in Toledo uh, like Tommy Jonathan is a cool dude, but he's a, uh, you know, he's a, uh, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a pro man. So and, yeah. and he's in Tommy Jonathan. He is not going to lie to you. Yeah. He is very nice, but he is very blunt. And uh, this one kid was like, Hey man, can you come watch my set? And he got pissed. Cause Jonathan was like, what do you want me to see? Like, is, do you want me to see something in particular? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you want me to tell you, buddy? You know, and that's what a lot of guys got to understand. It's like, you're not going to impress these guys. They either live in LA or New York and they hang around the best comics in the world. They'll get around to seeing you. Like if you're working Thursday to Sunday, they'll pop in. Yeah. Just leave them alone. They'll, they'll see you. And if they bring the feature, a lot of times the feature will go out and watch because he's waiting to go on or she's waiting to go on. And they'll go, oh man, hey, the MC got some jokes. You know, and then the feature goes up and they'll go, hey man, uh, you guys, I heard you got some, you got some good jokes, man. You know, it, it just I tell comics, just be patient, be funny, because if you're getting if laughs are coming out of that room, if you if they're a real comic, they're going to go, oh, shit, what was that? I want to. Yeah. What was that bit? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's what happened with Norman. I, I happened to have a great set. And he was like, man, this guy, this guy's this guy's good. He should move to New York. And I dude, I didn't know Norman. I knew nothing about him. And then when he went on stage. All my friends that were on the show, they were like, dude, he likes his stuff. And we just we just hit it off. And uh, yeah, it just it kind of took off from from there. But uh, even working with him was, was a process. But I'm at the point now with Norman where like if he does a bit, I can go, oh, man, that was whew, they hated that shit. And I don't feel like he's going to like kick me off the shows. 
Yeah. Sure. Even with him, he'll go, dude. That was uh, that uh, that bitch you did. You don't do that one again. That one fucking ate it. So yeah. that's valuable, man. When you have someone who's above you, who you can truly be honest with, and get a, yeah. you know, they can really be honest and go, hey, that joke sucks, or I think I heard that, or even better, when you're a headliner and you have an opener where you, where you that you trust, where you can go, hey, man, you're better than that joke. Yeah. Or like, come on, man! Like that ain't that ain't you, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that that's that's what I really like about Mark, man. Is he he we push each other, and uh, we're very honest with each other uh, when it when it comes to our, our comedy and how our sets went. We do we talk a lot of comedy, a lot of comedy, mm-hmm. a lot. You know, he's a fun silly dude, but do we have a lot of very serious conversations about comedy, man? Yeah, he, yeah. he really helped me out a lot. No, no, not at all. So uh, where can people see you? You got some stuff coming up now that the world's cured. Yeah, man, I, uh, I'll i be at the um, Arlington. I'll be at um, the Virginia Beach Funny Bone next weekend with Norman. And right. then uh, in June, I got a bunch of stuff all over the state of Virginia. I got stuff in um, Colonial Heights. I'll be in, uh, in Nor- Northern Virginia. I'm doing something in Lorton. You know, just a bunch of stuff around town. Uh, hopefully, our venues in Charlottesville open back up. I want I want to get my weekly mic back uh, here in Charlottesville. But people can find me on Instagram and Twitter and social media at Chris Allen Comedy, A-L-A-N, at Chris Allen Comedy. And uh, please be on the lookout for my album that's going to be coming out with Helium Records August 6th. Um, super excited. Hopefully, it'll get on to um, XM Radio and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I have a podcast, Negro Please Radio, that I do that comes out every Friday on iTunes, Spotify. I also do another podcast called Host Battle with my buddy and uh, fellow comic Winston Hodges that comes out every morning, every Monday. You can also catch it on Spotify. And I have one more live show I do with my sister every Tuesday night, tonight, 8 o'clock. It's live on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and um, uh, YouTube. And it's about religion. It's called Do You Believe? And we sit down and we talk to people about their religious journey, either in and out of faith uh, and from just different uh, religious backgrounds and belief systems. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Plug my episode if you get a chance. Yeah. PD was our man. We had a we had a great time because there's a lot of people out there who experience a lot of like um, religious trauma. And it, it really affects a lot of people. Yeah. And, and I don't think people realize like how much like their religious background affects their personality how they interact with people, how they see the world and how we treat other people and how we honestly, how we really see ourselves because a lot of people with religious guilt. We grew up just, yeah, we, we grew up with a lot of religious guilt. We feel bad about ourselves, a lot of uh, depression, you know, and, and just not feeling good enough. It's not good, man. It's not good if it goes unchecked. Right. But I'm off my soapbox again. Talk. Oh, that's fantastic! That's cool. that's I'm gonna listen to that. Actually, yeah, please check it out. If if you, yeah. I'm looking for more comics to come on, so if you have a a religious background that you would like to talk about, please, I'm, I'm looking for more people to talk I mean, to about. I'll it. do it, but I don't have. I mean, I have. I don't have that cool of a. I think it'll be. I don't have. I don't have like that. I don't have religious trauma that much. My dad had a lot, which is why I didn't grow up in that much religion. Because well, see, well, that's something to talk about. You know? Yeah, my dad, my dad, you know, because, you know, my dad is Spanish. So it's like, you know, probably so a lot of Catholic died. guilt. Yeah. Well, he had to go to mass every single day. Jesus. Yeah. Three see, days. I went I went I, w- I was going three three times a week as a kid and, and I hated it for 18 years. I just I, I absolutely hated it. And it um 
it affected my relationship with my parents, with my family. Yeah. It, it wasn't good. You know, it affected yeah. me for a very, very long time. And our relationship suffered for it. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, good stuff. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Hey, we appreciate having you, Chris. Thanks for doing this. Oh, anytime. And uh, for those of you listening, we have a show on June 2nd. This episode will be out before that. You got to come check that out. It's my birthday. Uh, It's our countercurrent show. Chris was on our last one, uh, but we bring a lot of comedians that we love. I did the lineup myself since it's my birthday. So I brought, you know, Randolph Terrence, Andy Klein, Frankie French, a lot of really great, great lineup funny people nicole alcohol jamie benedy you know people who i like their comedy as well as their personalities uh so you guys gotta come check that out absolutely she turns 29 that's right in taxes yeah <laughs> that's it. you know my husband said that the other day yeah that's because i texted with him about that and said that oh really yeah yeah, yeah, yeah my joke what a cock yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, he was like, he was like, you're well. If you take out tax, you're 29. That's funny. <laughs> nice read, Josh. If yeah. you're take out the tax. That's funny. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah. So we got that. I, uh, I don't know. This won't air before tomorrow. But if you're listening, I hope you attended Todd Fleming's show with me and uh, Josh Kaderna and Abby Mello and. Deacons and some others at the uh, periodic table in Columbia, Maryland. It it was fantastic. So, uh, wait, is that Sean's show? What's that? The the uh, the Maryland show. That's Sean's show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he asked me to do it a while ago, but like everything happened, so that is a good show. Yeah, supposedly. I mean, I've heard. Oh, you haven't done it yet. I haven't done it ever. It's Todd Fleming's joint. So, um, oh, I don't know. I know Sean Savoy has one too in Columbia. Oh, oh, Nottingham's. You, that's Sean. I was thinking you met Sean Lever. boy. Bill. Um, okay. Yeah, I've done that one as well, too. Yeah, that's good. If they pack it out, it's fun. I mean, it's, yeah. I got to hit him up because he told me to hit him up a while ago, but it's been, you know, over a year because everything happened. So I have to hit him up. Yeah, he has a lot of shows there. That's like his home. Oh, really? Oh, really? I'm, I'm going to hit him up, man. I'm going to hit him up, too, actually. Yeah, I yeah. need to get on there. I need some reps, man. I got I to gotta write the new hour. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's yeah. a odd feeling. Yeah. Well, yeah. good, man. Well, we will see each other all again soon, hopefully. Yeah, man. Yeah. I should be up there soon, man. Hopefully, like, um, everything open. Was it June 11th for everything open back up? Yeah, everything 100% capacity, June 11th, it says. Yeah, so hopefully, Sean, you know, uh, our buddy Sean, you know, can get his venues up again. We got, you know, some other producers. So hopefully we can start seeing each other on a weekly basis, man. Yeah. I miss everybody. I miss comedy and I miss the people and I'm ready to get back out there, man. Yeah, same. Do it. All right, brother. I'll see y'all later. later. Thank you so much, Elena. Thank you, uh, Pete, for having me, man. Peter. All right, brother. All right, man. Peace. Bye, everybody.